We've been uh, looking over the last few weeks um, about examining things that can hold us hostage. And I think the, the series topic, uh, the series name that we have is uh, really fitting for today's topic. Can you agree with me that anger is an issue in the world that we live in today? Spend five minutes in traffic or, or eight seconds on the internet and you will see that anger is a, an issue in today's culture. Doesn't it seem like everywhere you look, somebody's mad about something? We live in a culture, in my opinion, that has largely been hijacked by a subculture of what I like to call the recreationally offended. You almost can't say or express anything anymore without someone you don't even know or may never even meet shouting you down about how offensive your point of view is. You ever heard the term trigger warning? Excuse me, sir, what you're about to say is make me very upset. It's, it's a ridiculous thing, and, and I can't stand it. I really can't. I'm the type of person that most people that know me well know it's a little bit difficult to offend me. It's not impossible by any means, but it's a little difficult to offend me. And I wish, I wish more of society would adopt that, that uh, guess what? We're all entitled to our opinion. You know what they say? Opinions are like belly buttons. Everyone's got one. Some are full of lint. The saddest thing is I think that in large part, this is... Have you guys ever heard Pastor Scott or Pastor Andrew talk about... And I, I don't have them written down, but they cite the statistics that, that have talked about, um, especially when it comes to the, to the internet and social media, how few people, when polled, really feel like they have meaningful relationships and connections in their life. And I think that has to do with this culture of being recreationally offended. How can you establish a connection with somebody if your default is to approach a conversation looking and waiting for that nugget that you can take and be offended by? How can you establish a, a meaningful relationship if your contact with people is you know that people are like that so you're defensive and you hold back saying what you really mean and how you really feel about something? There's no such thing as a safe conversation anymore. You can't have a differing point of view with somebody or you're assaulting them with your words. Why can't we disagree anymore? Disagreement is a vehicle for growth of your mind, of your heart, and of your belief system. If somebody is so convicted in their belief system that you can have a conversation with them and it changes your worldview, your point of view, that is a good thing. It's okay to be challenged. But today's culture chooses instead to be offended. Anybody know anyone like this? Anybody on your Facebook feed? If not, maybe it's you. Just kidding. The, that kind of anger is manufactured. It's fake. It's nonsense. There are people that I know, I'm like, you're not even mad. You just know you're supposed to be mad. I live with middle schoolers, and this is so hammered into them. Oh, you can't say that because it's offensive. Nonsense. I can say it. I think it. I believe it. If you're offended, so what? Let's talk about why you're offended. No one wants to talk about that. No one wants to get to the root of the issue. And it tries to masquerade itself. It tries to put on this mask of righteous anger. And we're going to talk about righteous anger, but that is not righteous anger. 
People think that offense is, is this righteous indignation. There's nothing righteous about it. It's destructive and it's toxic. And we're going to get to that. How about us here in this room? Anybody here ever been accused of having anger issues? Have you ever been so mad that you did something you regretted instantly? How many men have had to repair a wall or a closet door or a cabinet with a sore hand? Yeah, I walked around one time. This was, this was years ago. But I walked around one time like this for about a week. Because my hand looked like I made a mountain lion really angry. And it was a poor defenseless closet door. Maybe, you, uh, maybe you're not that person. Maybe you just bottled it up and put on a happy face for a time. Where does your anger lie? Maybe it's not so evident right now where you're sitting, but I want you to ask yourself, what am I angry about? Maybe something happened to you years ago in your childhood, in, in your early 20s or, or wherever it may be, but years ago that you're still mad about. Maybe someone took advantage of you. Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe somebody attacked you. And every now and again, that movie reel plays in the back of your mind unsolicited. You had no reason to even think about it, but it just pops in there. And your mood goes south, and people around you are like, what in the world happened? But they don't know that hurt just came back and hit you like a ton of bricks. Messed up your mood, you start snapping at people around you. And just, you go into a dark place, you lock yourself in your room, or you just, you're, you're a grump. And everybody's like, well, dad's in a bad mood today. That's not me. That never happened. <laughs> I have learned to uh, reverse trigger warning my family sometimes. I'll go through a day at work, man, and, and I don't have a great relationship with my supervisor, and things will go sideways, and I come home, and I have to be like, on the way home, I know I can feel that mood because I've been putting it off all day because I have to function through my job. And I can feel it coming in, and, and a lot of times we take out that anger on the ones we love the most. We're going to talk about that a little more too. And I get home, and I've learned on occasion, I don't always, I don't always get this right, to get home and say, Dad's in a grouchy mood. Please forgive me. I'm going to go to my room for a minute and try to reset. Not always successfully, but man, it's hard to dig out. Maybe your life isn't what you thought it was supposed to be. You look around you and you say, wait a minute, how did I get here? This isn't what I had planned. Miss Kerfuffle in first grade told me I could be anything. She lied. I am not an astronaut today. I am not the president. I fix broken things for a living. Maybe you're mad at yourself because you've got a trail of mistakes in your past that have put you so far off the path that you had envisioned for yourself that there's no way to find it again. Maybe you're angry at God. You went through a crisis. You went through a dark time in your life, and you don't feel like God came through for you. All those promises that he had for you, Maybe he didn't heal that loved one that you prayed so desperately that God would let you hang on to them for a while longer. Maybe somebody in your life was making you completely miserable and attacking you. Maybe circumstances came at you in a way that threatened your very life, your very existence, and you feel like God left you out to dry. We all hold some anger deep down inside, we're all human. 
So what does the Bible say about it? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27 says this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. You can be mad. It's okay. Just don't sin. That's easy, right? (laughs) Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Every married person in the room needs to get this down. We're all Christians, so we never have fights with our spouses, right? We all love Jesus, so we have perfect marriages. But on that off chance, you have an argument with your significant other. Do not let the sun go down and that thing not be resolved. In my house, early on, my wife and I decided together, we don't do this, you're sleeping on the couch nonsense. I don't care if you're mad. Your back may be to me, but we, that bed is our bed. That's where we sleep. And it's really, we found it, we just got to deal with it before we get to that point. And we may be in an argument, we may not even agree at the end of the point, but the end result is, you're dumb, but I love you. That's usually her to me. You're wrong-headed, you're stubborn, but you're mine and I love you. We don't have to agree, but as long as that's established, love dissolves that anger nonsense. The issue's still there. The issue didn't go away, but the anger's gone. I want to go tell you guys something. It's, it's a little piece of truth. Well, first let me talk about this, that scripture we just talked about. It was written by a guy named Paul, the apostle. While he was in prison for preaching the gospel and starting churches, he was in prison for doing the work that God called him to. If anybody had a reason to be angry at people, at God, it was Paul. He was in prison. And you got to understand, he was in prison and he was not going to get out. People passed him letters through a grate in the ground. Prison, he didn't have a weight room and a lunch room and a TV. He was in a hole in the ground for the latter part of his life. But he knew that that hole in the ground would lead him to speak to Caesar. And he knew that wherever the circumstances was, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. We might not like where he puts our foot down, but he put it there. And Paul's the one that said in that situation, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. The King James says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It's very poetic. So I'm going to tell you a simple, powerful truth about anger. The God of peace, of love, and of happiness gave us anger. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. So no one gets an out on this one. We are a reflection of the creator of the universe. That's how God made us to be. And in that reflection comes anger. Now I want you to understand where anger comes from. The essence of anger comes from a sense of justice. Our desire for justice is a reflection of the true and perfect nature of the Creator. 
When something occurs that throws our little world off center, it tips our emotional or tips our emotional scale. We become spiritually imbalanced, and it manifests itself in anger. And that anger, if you look at it for what it is, it's our effort to get things back right. That's why when we get mad at somebody, we want to get even. Right? The only problem is when we do it, there's no such thing as even because our hand isn't on the scale. We only get one side. And we start dumping everything on that scale, and it gets out of whack the other way. I want to share with you a story very, very personal. What I'm going to talk about today is stuff that I've only talked about with my wife. I consider myself to be an open book. Um, You can ask me anything. You can ask my opinion. You can ask how I feel. And I'm going to give you 100% of what I think and how I feel about it in as lovingly a way as I possibly can. I, I don't believe... I don't believe in recreationally offended. If, if I think you're wrong, I'm going to tell you. But I'm, my goal is not to dump on you. My goal is to tell you what I see so that we can talk about it. My parenting style with my kids often is I will intentionally have that angry moment, and I will blow up, and I will vent it out, and make sure that they know they are wrong and they messed up. And then we'll circle back around, and we'll have a long, painful conversation about it. I had to call my mom in preparation for, for this sermon, and I had to ask her permission because I'm going to talk about her. I like to tell my kids when they're around their grandma, and it's funny. I tell them, you see that lady over there sitting in that chair right there? It's not the woman I grew up with. So that's an old lady trying to get into heaven. <laughs> My mom was known as the devil of Chum Lane. <laughs> we lived on the corner of Chum and Coho. It's the two streets, named after Salmon from the Pacific Northwest. So, um, She was feared. She was the mean lady on the street. Um, she's the most angry person I'd ever know, I've ever known in my life, and I've seen, I've seen some rage. And it took me till I was an adult, it took me years into my life to really understand where a lot of that came from. It manifested in itself when her anger was expressed in vulgar name-calling, regularly. You know, Bill Cosby made that joke about not knowing what your name was, and I'm not going to repeat the ones uh, he he had in there years ago, but it was kind of like that. You didn't hear your given name unless you got all three because you were in deep trouble. Um... Mistakes were not tolerated. Inconveniencing was not tolerated. Interrupting was not tolerated. Um, There were six kids in my household. We have a his, hers, ours, and theirs. It's like a weird Jerry Springer episode. My mom had my oldest brother, John, and my sister, Nicole, from a first marriage. My dad had myself and my brother, Al, from his first marriage. Between the two of them, my youngest brother came along, Robert, and my dad brought along from his first marriage my brother Mike, who came from my biological mom's first marriage. So we have his, hers, ours, and Mike was theirs. So it was was an unusual dynamic anyway. Um, But we had the police called to our house because of 
volume and noise and the screaming and the fighting many times. Um, Our house, where my parents still live, still bears the scars of anger. Um, And it took me a long time to kind of realize where that came from as an adult. You see, my mom, even though she was the devil at Chum Lane and none of my friends wanted to come to my house because no one wanted to deal with her, um, when she was young, when she was a little girl, her mother decided she had too many kids and said, you're going to go live with your grandma and grandpa. I can't deal with all you guys. So Carol got shipped off, and she loved, and I've heard all kinds of stories from her about her grandfather and what a great man he was and, and how he, he, he raised her. But there's an abandonment issue there. She was told that of all the kids I have, you're the one I want the least, so you go. So fast forward her life a little way, and she had a first husband who on, not on even a rare occasion, would get angry with her and send her to the hospital. Would, uh, would threaten, he had, she had, remember my, my oldest brother and my sister, my sister was a princess, my oldest brother, my mom would have to stand the gap for him. And she was an, an abused wife on a pretty extreme level. It's a man who, just a terrible person. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. And then later on, she meets my dad. They get married. And I grew up with the devil of Chum Lane. I didn't know where all that came from. All I knew is she's a mean lady. I mean, we didn't have a whole lot good to say about, about my mom, me and many of my siblings growing up, because she was, you know, she got mad, the belt's coming, and she didn't always pay attention to which end of the belt she was swinging. But where's the other side of this? My dad. And again, it took me years to realize this. See, as a kid, I felt like my dad just didn't want to step in and do anything. He'd come home, and it was, ugh, okay, and... And, and for us, we didn't understand why. Now, me and most of my siblings, we have a good relationship with my dad. My dad is a, is a great man. He's a wonderful man. But he really didn't, he didn't intervene. He didn't step up. He lived with this, too. And it continued on. And night and day difference between the way my dad handled things and my mom handled things. And my dad would get mad. In fact, the worst whipping I ever got was probably from my dad, but it was once. And it was well-deserved. And mom wasn't home. So... You know, we kind of looked at, at my dad as, as, as the guy who kind of stood on the sidelines and went. But I think a big part of it was fear for my dad because he knew her past. He knew what she had been through. He had met the ex-husband and knew what a clown that guy was. He, he, he saw the scars on her body and in her mind and her heart. And, and I think he wasn't equipped to handle both sides. So he didn't want to feed hurt and challenge it too much. And they would fight, but, you know, and uh, this stuff's really hard for me to talk about. Um, so I understand anger. I've seen it a lot. Um, I think I'm the first one of six kids, and I'm next to the youngest, that left the house on good terms. My brother Alfred, who is uh, two, years, two years older than me, him and I were close, very, very close. I, I would consider him a friend as much as a brother, and when he left over 
an argument, and the argument was over a biscuit, I think, just something dumb. Um, but it blew up into this thing because that's how we lived. We were the Bennets, and we were loud, and we fought. Um, when he left, that really hurt me personally because now it was just mom, dad, me, and my little brother. My little brother, he was, he was the baby. He could do no wrong. <laughs> he got anything he ever wanted. You know, he had, he had all the gaming systems and, and all this stuff, and, and uh, we took out a lot of our frustrations on him. Um, and, and for me, to see my brother go, that really hurt, especially in the matter when he took off at like 9 o'clock at night, and he, ne- he never came home again until he was an adult and was, uh, you know, he ended up joining the Marines, which I think was very good for him. And, uh, and at that point, you know, I, I still lived in it. But somewhere along those lines before this happened, um, a change started to happen in my mom. When I was, the summer that I turned 14, and I can't remember exact dates, is the first time my family ever went to church together. Uh, we went to Apostolic Life Tabernacle on 9th and Venita in Bremerton, Washington. Uh, Laura Garrison's father is the pa- was, well, he's retired now, he was a pastor of that church. And the reason we went is because there was a guy that my dad worked with who hounded him for two years about getting, going to church. And I don't know what conversations my dad had with him. I know shortly before that, one of my brothers was hospitalized, had to have his stomach pumped because he went to a party, went bananas, drank too much, and almost killed himself. Um, so we went to church, and uh, my brother, Alfred, and I, we sat next to each other, and we looked around like, these guys are a bunch of psychopaths. <laughs> They're crazy people. Um, my dad was my dad. He's very cerebral, so he's kind of looking at everything at face value and analyzing and that sort of thing. My mom took hold of her real quick, and if mom says, that's what we do. That's just the dynamic we lived in, so she liked it, and we were going back to church, and some changes started happening shortly after that. Now, the devil of Chum Lane did not go away still, not for a while, not for years. Um, she was still to me. She even got a reputation at the church for being the mean lady. I get, I get from people, my goodness, your mom is mean. And that's when she's putting on the good face. That's when she's trying to be church carol. And, you know, she, she, she got that reputation there too. Um, but a change started to take place in her. And, and I can't really timeline it. We talked about it a little bit, and it's hard for her to timeline it too. But if you transition from, from Carol of when I was 14, 15, 16 and prior to who she is now, if I were to be able to reach back in time, stand one next to the other, you could not know that they were the same people. I am glad my, my girls aren't in the room right now um, because as far as I'm concerned and, and as far as the way I've raised them, her grandparents are saints who have never sinned in their life. Because that's who they are today. It's who Grandma Bennett is today. And I talked to her, and, and I got choked up on the phone with her the other day, and, and I said, you know, Mom, the biggest testimony that I can see looking at you from who you were to who you are is when I see you with those grandkids. She is, she's, she's I don't know if she looks at it this way, but I look at it as God has given her a second chance to show that she can, she can be the woman that she 
envisioned herself being when she was a little girl. Now she's the lady, and she's done this for years now, but now she's the lady that when Christmas time comes around, she buys a present for every single individual person in the church. It might be something small or goofy, but when Christmas comes around, everybody knows Sister Bennett's got a big old bag full of presents, and there's something for everybody. And, and she's, she's done it for years. She came to visit us. She's still who she is. I mean, she's still got a quick, sharp tongue, but it's, it's without the venom that it used to have. You know, she, she's, she can still get upset. She can still get angry, but it's without that rage and that anger that I experienced when I was young. She lived with that roadblock in her life for so much of her life. And my family is, well, like I said, we're like a bad episode of Jerry Springer sometimes. So we run the gamut in my family. We have those that can't have a relationship with other members of our family right now because they remember the hurt that we grew up with. They remember the, the dynamic and, the, and the, the anger and the rage and the, and the words and the violence that took place in our house. There are those that have moved past and moved through it and have good, healthy relationships within our family, within our household, and we have some that are just completely disconnected. But the common denominator between those that have managed to come through it and... and, and have those good, healthy relationships, there's, a, there's one common denominator, and it is God. I can point to every member of the family, and I can tell you those that have decided to stick with church, to stick with God and allow God to speak and make a difference in their life, and those that haven't. And I'm not saying that the others never made an effort. They did, and it would be better for a while. But at the slightest provocation, it all comes hammering back in. And there's a riff, and you may never see that one for a year. Hostage. If there's ever anything that's going to hold your life hostage, it's anger. There are two types of people when it comes to anger there are spewers, and there are stewers. Spewers immediately express their anger. They throw it out there. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 11 says this. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I want to focus on that word full. Full vent to your anger. I believe it's good to vent your anger out. I think it's good to get it out there, say what needs to be said, but be intentional about it. If you give it full vent, if you let it come with all the pressure and weight that's behind it, you're going to hit somebody in the face with a fire hose of rage, and you're going to cause some damage. But if you keep it under control, that's when anger can be positive. What about the stewards? They suppress their anger. Psalm chapter 32, verse 3 says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. You can't hold on to that. You can't process that poison in yourself and hope to stay healthy. Luke chapter 15, verse 28, this is in the story of the prodigal son. This is after the, the prodigal son made all of his mistakes, made the mess, and came home. And, and the brother who was bitter with him, who was angry because he did everything right. 
and this guy gets a party? His response in Luke chapter 15, verse 28 says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He missed the party. Do you know when you're angry, you will by your own choice avoid anything that brings you joy? You will. Think about it. My favorite thing, one of my favorite things, I got, I got many favorite things. One of my favorite things is to go downstairs and to play my bass guitar. It's something that I love. It brings peace to my life. Music has always been a part of who I am. But you get me really mad, I can't touch that thing. What about your loved ones, your spouse, your children, those that bring joy into your life? When you're really mad, stay away from me. Leave me alone right now, okay? Why would you reject what brings you joy? And we do it to God, too. I can't pray right now. I'm too mad. And if I do pray, I'm going to hit God, and I'm going to hit him hard because, you know, it's kind of your fault, too. You're supposed to be God. You're supposed to make sure my life is perfect. And that's sinful anger. What do we do with sinful anger? Sinful anger is the anger that we use as a weapon. Sinful anger is that get even mentality. Because remember, we want to balance those scales of justice in our life. That sinful anger, we need to, we need to put that away. We need to recognize it for what it is and set it aside. The root of anger always starts with something else, some sort of stress in your life. Uncertainty, left unchecked, becomes fear. Left unchecked becomes anger. Envy, man, that's nice. Wish I had that. Becomes jealousy. I should have that. Becomes anger. How dare you have that? Grief becomes bitterness. Becomes anger. Offense turns into unforgiveness. Turns into anger. There's a lot of negative emotion that lift, left unchecked becomes an anger and becomes a rage. But if when you're in that moment, you can take just a moment just to step back and say, where is this coming from? Why am I so mad? And backtrack it to one of these things. Now you can deal with it. Let's talk about envy. I have a coworker who just bought a gorgeous F-150 truck. And I have many times looked around me and said, I know what I make. I know what he makes. How in the world? See, that's envy became jealousy right there. Left unchecked, I'm going to resent him because of a blessing he has in his life. I'm going to resent myself for mistakes that I've made that have not allowed me to have that blessing. I may even resent God. Where's your favor you said I was going to have? Where's that pressed down, shaken together, running over? My cup is empty. It's so easy. But there's another kind of anger, and it is that righteous anger. It's the God's style of anger. 2 Chronicles, Chronicles chapter 36, verse 16. But they mocked God's messengers despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord was aroused against his people and there was no remedy. You don't want to get God mad, folks. Romans chapter 2, verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Romans 9 and 22 
What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? That verse describes you and me and how God handles his anger. If you think that God just doesn't care when we reject him, if you think that God is just fine with with us constantly turning our back on him and messing up, you're wrong. He is our heavenly father. He can be disappointed in us. But how does he react to it? In every one of these verses, it talks about God's wrath, but it talks about God's wrath saying, down the road it's coming. God always provides an opportunity for us to correct our path, for us to make it right. Because to God, we are his cause. We are the thing in the universe that God looked down and saw and became so upset about that he had to do something about it. Our type of get even would have been wipe them all out. Get rid of all of them. God's type of get even, set things right in justice, is a sacrifice has to be made. And I will be that sacrifice. I will become like them. I will wear the flesh they wear. I will experience their lives. I will feel every ounce of physical, emotional, and mental pain. And I'll take it one step further. I will allow myself, the most powerful being in all of existence, the pinnacle of existence itself, the creator of everything. I will allow them to drive nails through my hands and feet, drive a spear into my side after a good beating, and I will die and become the sacrifice on the off chance that they will see it for what it is and come back to me. Aren't you thankful that when we're deserving of God's wrath, he is still so patient with us? Righteous anger is a reflection of God's sense of justice. So what is it that makes you mad? What is it that sets your blood boiling that you see going on around you? Whether it's in your own life, in your household, in in your social circle, in, in this community, in the community at large. There's a few things for me, one of them in particular, that really upsets me. And sets my blood boiling is the attack that the, the enemy has placed against families. There is nothing the enemy wants to do more than to destroy homes. And maybe it's because of the messed up, crazy childhood that I had. But I look around me and I see so many attacks against family. Divorce is the easy option. It's the way out every time. You know, it, it, well, we're going to make out men to be buffoons and clowns so that we don't have strong leaders in the home. We're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna, you know, we're going to exalt, exalt one side over the other in a broken home. It's a tragedy. When a home is not whole, it's a tragedy. And sometimes it has to happen for some semblance of health to occur. But it shouldn't be that way. And it, it boils my blood that we can't have healthy families and we celebrate dysfunction in our society. So what am I going to do about it? I'm, I'm going to stand here before you today and I'm going to bear my soul and talk about some painful things. My mom's probably watching this today, and I was terrified. That's why I had to call and say, Mom, I'm on a level with you. I'm not going to paint a pretty picture of who you were. I said, I have to be honest with people. 
I think if really I'm going to have the impact I have to have, I have to, I have to let them understand. And so to my point of view of what an angry person is, you see, because so long ago God took that away from me. Before, before I even joined the military uh, right out of high school, God took that away from me. My response to my parents when I was pretty much all that's left with my little brother and we would get going on the same path and the argument and the rage would happen, I vocalized to my parents, you are not driving me out of this house the way you did my brother. I'm going to leave when I say I'm ready. And I would separate myself. Now, I got done with high school, and I was like, I got to get out. <laughs> and I didn't have, you know, the one ambition that I had, really, there was no open door for me there. So I said, well, I know me, I'm going to need some adult supervision for a little while while I figure things out. So I joined the army, and I did that for four years. My mom cried when I left home. Never seen that before. My dad still likes to brag on me about that, that put my foot down moment I had with them when I said, you are not driving me out. I'm leaving when I'm good and ready. I was still hurt at that time. It wasn't long after my brother left home. That one, because there were others before him. Um, don't let anger hold you hostage. Because when anger gets in your life, not only will it hold you hostage, but you will walk into that cell, you will pull the door closed behind yourself, and you will lock the door. Because you're like, I'm not leaving here until I get even, until I get right. And there are so many ways that we deal with it. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. Maybe you just scream and yell at your window of the car, knowing they can't really hear you, but hoping maybe somehow they can. You know, sometimes you give them the old one-fingered wave. <laughs> you know, when... Don't be, don't be a holder. Don't contain that stuff. Don't hold on to it through your whole life because it's still going to be there. And when you least expect it, it's going to come back at you. You cannot have healthy relationships with anger in your life. Because that anger that they, that person maybe had nothing to do with, it's going to boil its way back to the surface because it wants, to, it wants to go. It wants to get out of there. It's not compatible with our godly nature. It's not compatible with us, be, compatible with us being created in God's image. God doesn't hold his anger. He deals with it, and he channels it toward, toward being productive, toward moving forward, toward making a positive change in the world around him. And sometimes, yes, God went to an extreme measure, and sometimes we've got to do that. I'm not an angry person. I find it very easy to just let something go, but I've developed my own internal methods for doing that. One is, why am I so mad? And a lot of times, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at a situation. So what's the situation, and how can I fix it? And admit to yourself that. Admit to the, the object of your rage how upset you are. I had to do this with this supervisor who really doesn't like me, and I don't really like him a lot. But I got a little sharper with him one day than I intended to be, and I said, I apologize. I'm really frustrated about this situation. And I feel like you've got a certain amount of control over it, and I really don't feel like you've got my back. Is that easy to say? No, it's scary. It's scary. And you know what? It bore no fruit whatsoever. Still don't have a healthy relationship with him. 
But at least I can say I, I, I don't have to carry that. And I get mad. I, I still get mad every day. You know, when, when my wife and I have an argument, and we've had some great ones. But we have an understanding between us. We're allowed to fight. I remember for a short time when we moved from Texas and Tyler was a baby, we stayed with her parents for a short time while we got things situated where we were in our own house. And her dad was like, you guys fight a lot. And I'm thinking, really? Come on, pal. <laughs> I've known you for years. Um, but, and, and to us, we're together, we're like, we're not fighting. We just, we, you know, if we don't agree, we talk about it. You know? And sometimes we talk animated and passionately about it. So our definition of a fight is a, is a little different, but, you know, you got to allow yourself to be angry. But, but the hard part is getting to be angry and sin not. That, those issues, those anger issues that you have, wherever they come from, you've got to set them aside because if you're angry, you will never forgive. If you're angry, you will never bless somebody. If you're angry, you will not have a good relationship with God. It's, a, it's such a roadblock, and it will hold you hostage. But I'm here to tell you right now, if you let God, if you let God take hold of that, that anger part of your life, if you give it to him, if you say, God, I can't, I can't deal with this, I can't cope with this, it keeps coming back, it steps in the way of my relationships, it steps in the way of me being who I want to be, it makes me feel ashamed and I'm angry about that, so it's just rolling over and over and over itself, it's a spinning vortex in my life that keeps coming back over and over and over again, God, I can't deal with this, I need your help, and you tell God what it is. And you say, I need your help with this. I need your understanding. I can promise you. I can promise you. I can promise you. He will intervene. Because if the God of happiness, joy, and love also gave us anger, and he was able to take the devil of Chum Lane and turn her into Grandma Bennett, two very different people, someone who was always angry, quick to, quick to insult, quick to say horrible things, quick to lash out, quick to, quick to vent everything on all the hurt and all the pain that she suffered through her life, and she carried it around, and the only way she could get rid of it was to wing it at somebody. If he can take her and piece by piece over years take a piece of that away and a piece of that away and a piece of that away till she becomes Grandma Bennett, the sweetest, most giving, kind-hearted woman that I know today, if he can change that, he can change any situation you have in your life. He can take abuse because she was abused. He can take abandonment because she was abandoned. He can take all those things, and he will carry them for you. He says, cast your burdens upon me. That wasn't just an idle thing. Huck them on God. Say, God, this is for you because I'm tired of carrying it. Humble yourself. Pray. And then I implore you, do not pick it back up. Because we look at that, that's my stuff. It's part of what made me who I am. Well, it's time to be unmade. Because God created you to be something special. Do not let anger hold you hostage and keep you separated from God's plan for your life. 
Because there isn't a person in this room that God hasn't designed and laid out your footsteps before you for you to do great things, for you to be the one who influences other people and to influence events around you rather than let those events and people influence you. That's who God made you to be. That's the kind of freedom that God has designed us for. And if you hold on to that anger, if you hold on to that rage of your past, of your present, you will never see the future God has lined up for you. So I implore you today, there is not a person in this room that has not had to deal with anger or you have anger in your life that you have not yet dealt with. Not a one of us. I implore you to bring that anger to the Lord, to lay it down at his feet and to let God guide you through the process of letting go. Don't hold on to it. Let God teach you how to be an angry person and to turn that anger into the righteous anger. I asked you this morning who's had issues with anger, and a lot of hands went up. Then I asked you who was angry this morning, and still a lot of hands went up. So guess what? None of us are exempt from anger. None of us are exempt from feeling those things. And it won't come as a surprise. None of us are exempt from being hurt and carrying things with us. The difference is the crazy lady or the devil of Chumblain, the devil from Chumblain and Grandma Bennett, she did something about it. She had not, she, she just didn't recognize who Jesus was. She had an encounter with him and she gave all of that hurt. She gave all of that angst, all of that anger that she had experienced at that point. She started giving that stuff to him. It may not happen in a one-time experience. You may have to forgive someone every single day for the rest of your life to live in peace. To let go of that anger and to release them from what they did to you. The longer we hold on to those things, the more damage we do to ourselves. Bitterness, anger, rage, resentment, stroke, heart attack. All those things can cause physical problems, not just spiritual and relational problems, but physical problems. And we have the opportunity. He quoted the scripture where, where Jesus said, cast all your cares on me. The Bible says that he's a strong tower. The righteous run to him and we are safe. Jesus was our sacrifice. He is our advocate. And he came so he could feel everything that we feel. Abandonment, hurt pain, anger, resentment, all those things. And today we have the opportunity where we can start releasing that stuff and saying, Jesus, this is too much for me to carry. This is too much weight. I, I, I can't bear this anymore. I can't put up with this. And then we can see that righteous anger, what, what's fueling, what, what happens in the world. You know, when Jesus went to the temple and he saw a temple being misused, what did he do? He didn't say, guys, this is not good. He flipped over tables. He flipped over tables in the temple because he was driven by righteous anger. What is happening around you right now that, that, that makes God angry? Where injustice is being done, where people are being hurt, where people are being abused. Do you know how many people have been killed in 24 hours in our country? That should anger you because somebody is hurting people. Somebody is killing people. How many people have been hurt, assaulted right here in where we live? 
what are we going, what is the church going to do about that? See, we have, a, we have options when it comes to what we do with our anger. We can stew it. We can hold on to it. We can say, oh, that's just too bad. Let's give our bad anger to God and let him deal with it. What happens around us, our righteous anger where it's injustice, let us, let that drive us to action. Where we're interceding, we're praying for somebody, where we're joining a, a group, a, a support group, or an advocacy group to help people not have to deal with what's going on. Let it drive you to action to help somebody else. See, it's not just about me getting released or forgiven for my anger. It's about me helping somebody else do the same thing. Because my story is nothing but a testimony to help somebody else. Amen. Amen. There's one thing you will never be able to say about our church. Is that it's, it's not, it doesn't hit you where you live. Pastor Jason did a great job today. And that, that stuff is, yeah. Those places aren't easy to visit. And he did it with grace. And I'm grateful. And if... If you, if you missed last week, if you missed last week, with Pastor Todd being here, I beg you, go listen to the podcast, go back, look at it live, amazing message about worry, amazing message about worry. I was in church with y'all last week, I just wasn't here, so we watched it live, and it was, it was amazing. Seriously, go watch it, go listen to it, something, because it will help you. If you notice, it's a common theme, this hostage stuff. It's stuff that's going to keep you from having the relationship with Jesus that you need to have. Just give this stuff to him and let him work these things out. You may not have a moment where you step from one place to the next and your life is, is charmed and perfect and you don't have any more issues or you never deal with those things again. But you know what? As step by step, as you give those things to him, you're going to feel lighter. And you are going to be better because Jesus lives inside of you. And you're letting him do things in your life that he wants to do. And you're going to fulfill his purpose in your life. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here. Pray for our country. Pray for our world. That this anger and this hate will just, what, what did Jesus say? The greatest two commandments. Love God, love each other. Just pray for your neighbor. And be the love that Jesus wants you to be. And make a difference right where you are. Amen. God bless y'all. Have a great day.